this month, Ask the Therapist is going weekly as I introduce you to my new Therapist Corner Substack community, a space for therapists to get together and discover how the business of therapy can thrive. Hello and welcome to the second episode in the Substack series. So in the last episode, you got to know more about me and Sophie and the creation of Therapist Corner over on Substack. Today, you're going to meet the secret source behind us making the decision to build the community for therapists in private practice on Substack. She's a renowned expert in the world of content creation and social media. It's Sarah Tasker, author, business owner, photographer, business coach, Instagram influencer and Substack expert. I'm very excited about sharing this episode with you because I believe there's a lot about social media that we are just fed up with and things are changing. I also believe that therapists have knowledge and expertise that deserves a far wider reaching platform than just the therapy room. And in an unusual turn of events, I think that these worlds are colliding and the answer to our frustrations might just lie within Substack. Trust me, this is an episode you don't want to miss. Well, hello, Sarah. Welcome to Ask the Therapist. It's really such a privilege to have you on. I've followed your work for absolutely years. I started with listening to your podcast, Hashtag Authentic, and I'm sure Letters from a Hopeful Creative. And then I did the Institute Retreat, which I think was five years ago. And then in March of this year, I got an email from you to say that things are changing for your business, me and Orla. And that was the very first time that I heard about Substack. So I joined your Substack and then that opened up some coaching with you in April. And in May, we started Therapist Corner. And two months later, my business looks completely different. So I don't think I've said thank you yet. It's all my fault then. (laughs) All your fault. Yes, I wasn't thinking about building up another business that I have. And it's just, I absolutely love it. And I think one of the things, I mean, obviously you've given me just amazing advice and stuff, but you were like, you can do it. This is going to work. And I was like, really? Oh, well, you are so welcome. I'm so glad. And like, you're doing such amazing work in the world with Substack. So how lovely that I get to be a part of that little, little part of that journey for you. Oh, thank you. And for those who don't know your work, can you tell us a little about you and about what you do? Yeah, I have one of those very rambly job titles that I haven't, still haven't niched down to a, a clean, uh, a clean elevator pitch. But I am a writer, I'm a content creator, I'm a photographer, I'm a podcaster. All of my work centers around helping people to tell their stories online and to find an audience. And usually along the way, kind of find themselves a little bit too. So that's mainly on Instagram. It's now also an awful lot on Substack, but it could be anywhere on any of the platforms. Yeah, yeah. And you're an author. Did you mention that as well? Oh, yes, I'm a best-selling author. I should drop that in there, shouldn't I? I wrote a book about photography and storytelling on Instagram called Hashtag Authentic, like my podcast. And my podcast is an iTunes business number one, which I always think sounds very impressive. That is really, really impressive. (laughs) That is just amazing. And you have a real clarity, I think, from working with you about seeing through things and just you know I know you can it's sometimes easy to do that when you are outside looking in but you do have a real clarity about kind of seeing through businesses and helping you've helped me make sense of a a lot of things 
So I was going to ask you, how do you go from an NHS role to an Instagram influencer? But I just want to read something out of your book because I've been immersing myself into your world. And um, I was reading the introduction in your beautiful book with beautiful photos, but I just want people to hear this because it just blew my mind. So you say, I set myself a challenge on the 1st of January that I would post daily on Instagram and find 1,000 followers by the end of the year. Within a month, you'd exceeded that target. And by April, you'd been featured by Instagram and was approaching your first 40,000 followers. You quit your job, you moved your family to the countryside, you found your real passion, you were featured on Marie Claire, Cosmopolitan, Stylist, and you exchanged a string of DMs with your teenage celebrity crush. I mean, how how does that feel? It felt amazing. Like it felt like the validation you kind of always dream of, the external validation you always dream of. And in the moment was fantastic. But then of course, on the other side of that, all the work comes back to you that you have to do to process it. Um, but I do think for me, without kind of that initial boost of other people around me going hey we like what you do I don't think I'd ever have found the courage to take up space in the way I now do like on the internet and in people's inboxes and that's why like I always think it's quite a nuanced thing this whole there's a lot of narrative around social media isn't there that it's bad for us that it's negative that you know this generation and they're all about just trying to get likes but actually I do think it's something really human in us that like we want connection and we want community and it's very hard to find in our daily lives. It's very hard to find in our localities, as kind of COVID showed a lot of us. And the internet is a way that makes it really accessible to lots of people. Like I was a new mom stuck at home. Instagram was my lifeline. Yeah. Yeah. So it's two sides of a coin, isn't it? It can be used for almost good and for, for the dark side as well. Yeah. Like anything, really. Yeah. And I think it's great. The community side of it's really growing, which is amazing. If you were to name a few of the things behind your growth, what would you say it is? Would you say it's the authenticity, your consistency? You create such an emotional feeling with your beautiful pictures. When I, when I look at your work, you know, it does. I know in the Insta retreat, you talk about creating moments, not things, which I'm still working on. Well remembered. <laughs> yes, yes. I've done my all my lessons and my homework. And, you know, when I see a picture of like, I've never really wanted to live in France, but when I've seen your French house, I'm like, I connect with my future French self, but I didn't even know I had. We all have one. We all have a future French self in us. <laughs> one of the biggest bits of feedback I've got is that it's, it is the emotion and the authenticity, which I've learned this lesson again and again, not just for myself, but for so many of my clients, that the things that we think we're going to be rejected for are generally the things that make people love us the most. And I'm sure that's true in real life, but it's definitely very true online. Even just yesterday, in fact, I was having a really bad day with my health and I wrote a Substack post. Um, but so I put a bit of an introduction saying, hey, just so you know, like I'm really struggling today and there might be mistakes in this post, but I wanted to get it out. And I got so many beautiful comments and emails. Some people signed up to become paid members, which I know we'll talk about in a moment with Substack, but people like invested in me and, and sent me messages to say it was because I spoke about my health and, and was just showing up as a human and that made them feel like they were allowed to be a human too. So 
I think that right from the start, but... I was just going to say how scary it is to do. It's terrifying because really it's the bits that we reject about ourselves. So we expect everyone to reject them too. But I think the internet's such a noisy place and there is so much glossy perfection on there more and more, right? With all the face apps and photoshopping and everything like it. You don't really go on social media or most of us don't anyway to just see a glossy catalogue of someone's life. We want something in the middle like we don't want the worst bits either necessarily we don't need the cat sick and the dirty pots in the sink but we want a real human we want a real connection and so I've always tried to kind of blend those two of like I love beautiful photography so taking the pictures of the moments in my day that are the most beautiful but then also trying to tell the truth about the rest of it that like sometimes it's great sometimes it's not so great and yeah just sharing everything I've been learning on this insane journey from NHS to here yeah it's just and I think you write in that the way you write you see that you feel the person behind your words whereas some especially with chat GBT now I can almost guess when it's AI that's written that authentic <laughs> yeah and that's only I think that's only going to get harder to tell right like it's going to get they're going to get better and better at faking it but I do think there's something there like we can tell when someone's not being them, their true self you can pick up on it can't you and you can even pick up on it usually on social media, like there's just a bit of a disconnect. And I, it gives me hope that, that the robots aren't coming for all of our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Fingers crossed. So we are new on Substract and it's, it's still quite a new platform. Can you tell us about Substack, what it is and what it is about? Yeah, it's a really difficult one to to completely summarize without referencing lots of different other social media platforms. So the way I describe it to people is it's like the golden old days of blogging. If anyone remembers that, that was pre-social media. Lots of people had a blog and some blogs were super successful. Some blogs were a business. They had a really dedicated reader base and people just went to that blog to check if there were updates. And then there was a network around it and there was a lovely sense of community. And it's got that energy it's got that audience and the appetite for long form content so lots of people are writing long posts on there but it also blends itself with an email list so then one of the main ways it delivers those blog posts is people put their email address in to subscribe and it lands in their inbox whenever you send an update and then they've added other features like chat which is kind of like a private whatsapp group if you can imagine just for you and your subscribers and then they've added notes, which is basically just Twitter, but within Substack. So it's now kind of becoming like a whole holistic social media network. And then the really big thing is you can add a paywall. So you can then ask people if they want to invest and subscribe. Initially, it can be quite a low cost. And then you can make any part of that content, the chats, some of the posts, you can put podcasts up there. Any of it can become for members only, paid members only. So kind of like a Patreon model in the mix as well. Fantastic. And how did you first hear about Substack? Because I know I heard it from you, but where did you hear about it? It had been on my radar for a couple of years. I knew people who were writing on there, but initially it really heavily launched as a platform for journalists primarily to make money from their writing without having to go through an editor, through a magazine. We'd seen all those um, like layoffs in journalism for like BuzzFeed and The Pool and all sorts of places. So Everyone I knew who was using it was a journalist who kind of already had their own audience and wanted to just make their writing pay. So it was like a newsletter platform, I suppose. And it's only really as it started to evolve and I've kind of kept my eye on it that it started to 
sort of feel like it had a different type of momentum in a different direction. And funnily enough, I went to a sort of Substack writers meetup in London and met there someone who works with the Substack UK team, Hannah. And she was the person who, do you remember you said I was featured by Instagram way back? She was the person who picked me to be featured by Instagram back in the day. And she remembered me and she recognized me. And she mentioned that like lots of people on the team, especially in the US, are from those early days on Instagram. So it doesn't surprise me that it has that energy of kind of something's growing. The goals they're chasing are really aligned with the kind of platforms people are looking for. And it feels like it's got something. Yeah. What is that what pulled you into it? Yeah, I think it was. I think it just was the, I mean, it's such a woolly word, but the vibe, there was just an energy around it. And I've, you know, I experiment with social media all the time. It's kind of, it's my job as well as my hobby. And nothing for a very long time got me excited in the way that Substack has. And I'm still very excited about it and seeing, seeing the rewards for myself in my own business, my own community. And also, you know, hearing from people like you who, who have taken my word for it a little bit and found the same thing. So yeah, it has got an energy around it, hasn't it? Because I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm two months in, it's a really small followership, really. But the energy in the comments and the there's it's in, it just feels very different, like, oh, such a relief from like, I've talked about kind of chasing the algorithm on um, Instagram and going, drop an emoji in the comments, if you like this, which feels I'm, like so bored of saying that just so that I might be bumped up. I just don't want to be chasing the algorithm. Oh, well, that's it begging for acknowledgement versus like writing a whole long post that's going to take someone like maybe 10 minutes of their day to read which who's got the attention span for that anymore but they do and then they leave really thoughtful comments and then people will reply to other people's comments and this whole ecosystem of community springs up I mean I've written blog posts over the years I have a big audience but I don't think I could get comments on my blog but I can get them on my Substack. Absolutely. And this brings us nicely on to how do you feel Substack is different from other social media platforms? I think primarily the biggest difference is that their goal is still to make writing pay for writers or to make people's work pay for them. Like that is actually the passion. The people right at the top are really genuinely enthusiastic about that. As opposed to if you look at something like Twitter or now Instagram and Facebook, you know, Zuckerberg... I think it's safe to say that they have slightly different objectives in mind. And it shows, you know, it shows because if you're racing to use your user base as kind of a, a way to make to make advertisers happy or to kind of manipulate the data or whatever it is you need to do with it to make the shareholders happy, you're going to create a very different product in the end versus if your shareholders are your users, right? Like keeping them happy is the main thing with Substack and that's literally like you can buy shares in Substack periodically they will release a load of shares and invite people to buy them yeah so if we do well as being on Substack if Substack do well like they do well from us doing well exactly yeah so they take a cut of any paid purchases through it so you know if someone subscribes they take I think it's about 20% it's a, it's a decent chunk and so that's how they monetize it that's their only plan to monetize it not to do ads not to do anything else which means yeah if you do well Substack does well and if you're invested in Substack continuing then the best thing you can do is write on Substack. So I'm really excited about this question how do you think that therapists could use Substack and could they add it to their private practice? 
yeah, I think it's a tricky one to imagine sometimes from the inside if you're not seeing other people using it in that way. But there's so much potential. Even if you just want to use it as a free platform, imagine it as a place where you can share any resources or information or guidance or even just inspiration for your not only for your current clients but for prospective clients like for people who are considering working with you it's a really nice place for you to write about books that you would recommend or videos or podcasts or for you to share like worksheets or testimonials or just kind of you know you digging into topics that you think actually that will really help people and show them the kind of help I can do even more if they come and work with me and then if you add the paid tier you can start to think about okay well if I'm cultivating a bit of a private gated community how can I encourage people to kind of you know use that in a way that supports their mental health and supports the work they're doing and like you know we know group work works really well but often is a difficult thing to get people to attend so you've got these options then of kind of building up this platform that people can access at a low price point if they can't afford to work with you one-to-one at the moment people can access as kind of a, a taster of the kind of work that they could do with you and people can access while they're working with you for extra information to go extra deep to go extra detailed in the work you're doing yeah I mean I'm so excited about it because I think there's so much that goes on in the therapy room and therapists have so much training often so passionate about what they do and that information can reach more people you know one-to-many instead of just one-to-one we can have such a, a bigger impact and We have to have more choice in the way we deliver mental health therapies. Not everybody is ready for therapy. Not everybody can afford it. Lots of people are on long waiting lists, you know, or don't have the time or for many reasons. This might be a way that's really accessible and, you know, getting the right information to the right people in a different way. So Exactly. And then for you as a therapist, it changes the model from you being quite geographically specific because it's who can come into your office to literally worldwide like obviously there's boundaries around where you're allowed to practice but if you're giving general advice and guidance like you can reach anyone who needs you anywhere in the world and really kind of build up a specialism or build up a reputation for the things that you do beyond just your local area yeah absolutely and as much as yeah I love my one-to-one work but it is exhausting and you are the tool the only tool in your business so it requires you to be on top form and firing on all cylinders every day and we have to really look after ourselves and I think this could add another revenue stream which means that it takes the pressure off financially in running your own private practice make it more sustainable so that you can show up in the best way possible for the the clients that see you one-to-one exactly and it's so much more scalable like you say because there's there's a ceiling for what you can charge for one-to-one but there's no limit to the number of people who can come and subscribe to your Substack. and and for a lot of people it becomes almost passive revenue you know if you can get ahead and, and get a stack of kind of written posts that are going out for your paid people or written resources or however you want to do it it only requires you to show up maybe for an hour or two a month, but you're getting a steady income in your in your bank account without having to do that one-to-one work. So also it means you can take time off and you still know there's money coming in. Yeah, and I think there's a few tiers, isn't there? So we have the founding members. And when we started, we wanted to attract founding members that I think pay about 397 for the year. But actually, it's the £8 a month, the kind of, that is really, really building. Which I- expected that to be that actually I can see that that's the scalable part isn't it you were 
talking to you about. Yes, exactly. So there's there's kind of three or four payment tiers, I suppose. So the first one is free. People can subscribe for free and you can choose to give them everything, nothing or anything in between. You choose individually every time you write a post, like who is this for? So it's really flexible. Then the next level up is people can pay monthly or they can pay a lump sum which covers them for 12 months of monthly payments and is usually a little bit cheaper. So they're your kind of annual subscribers. And then the next thing is this founding member, which is generally people will add a few extra perks, you'll get access in different ways. But mostly it's about people saying, like, I really believe in what you're doing, I want to support you, this is an exciting venture, like, I'm going to invest in you that little bit extra. So founding members are great, obviously, like, that's a really nice injection of immediate cash. And that gets them a year's access like it would for an annual membership. But even just people signing up to pay monthly, like it's there, it's regular. And Substack do a very good job of kind of annualizing your income. That's what they call it. So they kind of project what you'll get if everyone stays subscribed for the year and you suddenly realize, whoa, like this adds up fast. It doesn't take that many eight pounds for this to be worth your time. It really doesn't. And I don't think I've done the maths or the the funds on it. So yeah, it's it's just, it's fantastic. So somebody was thinking about, I'm going to give this a try. What would be their first few steps? So first of all, just head to substack.com and start an account. I recommend to most people to just call your account your name, your full name. Maybe even don't put the word therapist in there. It depends what your goals are. But I always like to say just online in general to give yourself scope to change and evolve because you don't necessarily know you might decide to become like a child psychologist or something 10 years from now so future proof it call it your name and then I think the next logical step is to look around and find some people to subscribe to so follow your one of course therapist corner you're very welcome to come follow me and then what you'll see is as you follow people there will be recommendations popping up as Substack kind of goes oh you might like this one as well you might like this one as well you can go in and search and kind of type in like therapy find people who are doing things interesting things that you kind of think oh I could do that but about my topic and just absorb some for a little while there's an app and what I love about the app actually is instead of reading like the BBC news or whatever people do in the morning you can go into Substack and it's like a, a bespoke curated magazine of things you care about like all these amazing articles about everything. I've got like diet culture articles and AI articles and coaching and it's all there in one place. So that's where I think people should start to just get a feel for the energy of it. But then the next step is to just write. And it doesn't have to be long form content. Like obviously it was it was built with that in mind, but you could send out a photo and a caption like an Instagram and send that out. You could just do a voice note and send that out to everybody which again like for therapists I think could be amazing if you could say hey like it's Monday and we're feeling this way but I wanted to remind you so powerful to get someone's voice directly in your inbox out of the blue you could send out videos you could just do a list it doesn't have to be like a huge lengthy blog post every time but also it can be if you've got lots to say and don't worry if no one's reading straight away or if only your mom is subscribed. That's how it's meant to be. And I always think there's a lot of freedom in that because when no one's watching, you get to try on different things and play around and figure it out. But very quickly, if what you're writing is valuable, you will see it start to grow. Fantastic. And I was going to ask, if somebody was starting out and didn't have an audience, no email list, starting from absolute scratch, what are the tips with getting kind of building that readership? Yeah, so it starts with uh, the content, absolutely. And if you think back to that model of the old days of blogging, that was what made all 
broke people's plugs was like, did people love it and come and see and, and want to check in and see what was new? So if your content is valuable, that's going to get you the furthest because people will share it, word of mouth will spread and people will come and subscribe. But you can also encourage that by commenting on other people's Substack so that you start to become a part of someone else's community and then people will be like, oh, I wonder what she writes about and come over. And then what happens is as people subscribe to you, they start to be that recommendation for your publication so that when people sign up to them, you pop up as the recommendation and you start to get new subscribers that way. And then the other really powerful part of it is notes, which is the Twitter the Twitter alternative, if you remember, that's within Substack. And that's really the only part of Substack where what you write could go in front of absolutely anybody who's using Substack. And it can be short like a tweet, but it can also be longer. It can be photos. It can be kind of pretty much anything you want to put up there. So the value thing still applies. And you can also reply to people. Like you can reply to Margaret Atwood and she'll read it. (laughs) She'll see what you said. Like it's amazing. It is incredible that because I've done that and made connections with people. I'm like, oh my gosh, because it's quite small at the moment. Yes, that's it. It's small, but it's got some really talented, high profile people on there. So yeah, it's a a very unusual opportunity. And I'm sure that won't be true five years from now when it becomes so much bigger and busier and noisier. But at the moment, there are no algorithms kind of determining all of that. It's, It's still very human-centered like the recommendations are based on other humans recommending things so it's a really beautiful time to get in there and and that's how the growth is happening in that very organic genuine way you don't need to game the system the system is write good stuff and people will come now that's really nice to hear and my I was going to ask how often should we be posting or do but that's my Instagram head isn't it and that do I need to have that head on now of how often I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? I know Farah, who is um, head of writer partnerships for the UK Substack team. I think she recommends maybe twice a week. And she definitely recommends trying to pick one day of the week that's like your day to be in people's inboxes. So they're like, oh, it's Saturday. I wonder what she's got to say. Um, so there are obviously like strategies that they're noticing the data of that seems to help people. And that's, I guess that's true for any platform. But in the end, it's right as often as you have something that's worth saying, right? Like there's no point going, oh, it's Tuesday. I've got nothing to say, but I have to write something because in the end, that's only going to lose you people's attention. It's not going to gain you anything. And then of course, once you've got paid subscribers, that pressure feels even more because you think, well, I've got their money. Like I have to give them something in exchange. But what we're seeing is people have got enough content, like you don't have to send them an email every day to justify that the eight pound a month. It can be enough to just send them one really valuable thing a month, or it can be enough to give them instead of more written content or recorded content, maybe live access to you. Or so one of the things I do with mine is these co-working hours where we just all hop on a Zoom call and I go go, and we all work. Talking about that yesterday because I did a quarterly planning call with therapists. So we planned out the next three months of our business, very organised. So we had a structure, we had a template. But I, I, I mentioned them about these co-working sessions because I was like, when you mentioned, I was like, how's that going to work? This is a bit ridiculous. And you literally, we come on a Zoom call, you go right, I'm going to mute you all. <laughs> and it goes quiet for an hour, and I get loads done. It's insane. I, it's just like a a brain hack of some kind but it really works 
Are you nervous about doing a Zoom call and doing nothing for an hour and how that was going to pan out? Uh, I had already done it. I trialed it in some of my classes because I was, I, you know, and, and I'm sure therapists will relate to this, that you kind of, you give people all the tools and you give them the homework and then they come back the next week and go, I didn't do it. Sorry. I just couldn't, I couldn't get myself into gear to do it. And I understand that myself as well. So what do people need? And I thought, well, what really works for me is another nervous system opposite me going, I'm working, are you going to work? And you kind of go, okay, I better had. So when your calendar goes out at the start of the month, I'm just putting it in my diary, these co-working sessions. And I know that I'll get a solid hour done. Now, if I'm on my own, I'll do 10 minutes and then I'll dust and then I'll put a load of on. But I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And then check Instagram and then, oh, that's been 30 minutes. It's so easy to do. Yeah, so it works. And and that's a really good example. Like, what am I, I'm charging people for what? Me to sit on Zoom in silence for an hour. That doesn't seem like the kind of thing you should be charging people for. But actually, we charge for results, right? So if someone can say, actually, I've got all the things I've been putting off my to-do list done by the end of that hour, how much would you pay for that? I think I think mine is like 650 at the moment. I, in my eyes, that's a bargain. I would pay someone 650 to help me do that any day. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's accountability, isn't it? And it's lovely. You ask everybody to share their work at the end of their hour. And there's often, I feel, I always feel like a fraudulent creative because they've made something called done. Oh, yeah. They hold up like bracelets and dresses, don't they, that they've made. And me and you are like, here's my to-do list that I've crossed off. <laughs> yeah, I've crossed off holding up my to-do list. Yeah. But it all, it all belongs. And, and that's it, like, yeah, I target my business at creatives, but absolutely the work that therapists do is, is creative like it's problem solving because I always felt like oh it's not I really resonate with the community I'd love to be a creative but I, I do you know my writing's really grown and actually I think running your own business as a therapist you are creative so I'm owning my place in the creative community and you're creating change and you're creating results with people and like it's creative problem solving. It's so funny, isn't it? This whole idea of gatekeeping around creativity and you'll find most people think they're not allowed that word, that it must belong to like full-time artists and nobody else. It's everybody really. That's what I thought for, for years, yeah, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, it is absolutely. It's everybody. That's that's absolutely right. So I suppose the nervous thing that I had, I don't actually have it now, but where do you see um, Substack in a few years' time? Because we've not long had Clubhouse, and I'm sure people are already saying, what the hell is Clubhouse? And Be Real, that had a moment, didn't it? And oh, there's so many we could list. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I think the last year has taught me that you never know the future of a platform. I did not foresee Twitter doing what Twitter is now doing, which is circling the drain. Um, And AI and everything else is kind of coming to change every landscape. But I think Substack has got legs. I don't think it's going anywhere. The way it's growing at the moment is is just mind-blowing. And the enthusiasm and the passion of the people on there, to me, that's always the biggest determiner of success over everything else. And also it's worth remembering, so with Substack, because people subscribe with their email address, you own that list. You can export that. It's a CSV. You could take that to MailChimp. You could take that wherever else you want to send emails. And that audience is still yours to contact. So you're not tied to the platform in the way that we are with things like Instagram and Twitter, where if you don't post on Instagram, you can't reach those people. With Substack, you're building an audience that's yours to keep. And I think that that's like the safety net that hopefully we will never need, but the other platforms kind of deliberately didn't offer us. 
yeah, so you're still in control of something you still own. So you're building it, you're putting some all your energy into it and you can move it if, if ever you want to. Exactly, exactly. Which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people wish that we had that flexibility with things like Instagram and Facebook. Are there people that are kind of substack is their job now? Oh, yeah, there are a lot of people making like high six figures on substack. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen like the, the, uh, the, the dashboards of some of these accounts and yeah people who not even have huge audiences I'm not talking people with like you know massive Instagram audiences or journalists with with a big following people who have, who have got a niche following who are really invested in what they do and who just substack kind of full-time um and I think when I spoke to Farah I think the number she gave me was if people are doing it part-time they look for around did she say like three to four percent of your list will be paid. And if you're doing it full-time, you'll get around 10% of your list will switch to paid. So if you think if you, you know, if you have a hundred subscribers, you'll get 10 paying members. If you get a thousand subscribers, you get a hundred. Is that right? My maths is so bad. But you can see how it starts to scale up. So yeah, so some people actually, they, they're like, this pays so well. A good example, I think is Emma Gannon. A lot of people will know her. She had the podcast control delete and she's got the multi-hyphen method book and and she actually has folded her podcast and stopped doing it because Substack has now replaced the money that she was making from the podcast so she was able to stop that when she felt it was time and now makes six figures from writing on her Substack. Gosh that that is just incredible. And it's so flexible it's so freeing and, and you know you mentioned my French house it means I can I can, you could be anywhere in the world and do this, this side of your work it, it is it's the future, I think, for so many of us, and especially for people who are having to build businesses around other commitments of like caring and health problems and children. And, you know, we've all got those things going on in our life. So having something that's really flexible and that literally you can do from your phone, if need be, I think is a really sensible thing to build into most people's businesses. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it makes total sense. And so the, I know I've asked you this a few times because I, as I'm learning Substack, I think I'm getting my head around it. But everybody listening, I want you to get a, a pen and paper. And I, Sarah's going to give us answers to some of the basic functions. I know we've touched on some of them, but I want to know, give us a quick overview of posts. Okay, so posts are like your blog post. They are the main chunk of content. It's mostly text. You can put pictures in, you can embed videos. And that's what, when people land on your page, that's what they will see, your posts. Okay, and tags? Tags then are a way of categorizing your posts. So for example, I have tags for business, for social media, personal. You could have multiple tags on one post, but what it means is if someone reads a post that I've written, say on Instagram, they're like, hmm, I'd like to read more things she's written on Instagram. Instead of having to dig around and search, they can just click the Instagram tag and they'll see everything I've tagged with that tag in one place. Okay. And notes? Notes is the Twitter alternative. I don't think Substack would like me calling it that, but I don't know how else to express it. Um, and that's the place, if you remember, where you will be seen by people who maybe don't follow you yet, who are not already subscribed. So it's a good way of, of kind of connecting with other Substack users, either just for a conversation or for something more and to get them to come along and follow you okay and chat chat is the kind of private whatsapp group-esque space so it's within the app you can only access it i think at the moment within the app and so the way i would use it is sometimes i'll go into chat and i'll say like show me a photo you've taken this week that you would normally post on instagram but you think nobody will see 
and then everyone can reply and share pictures and then we can all reply to each other's pictures and it's just kind of like a nice little hangout wouldn't have made that a post because that doesn't feel like something I need to live permanently on my sort of bloggish homepage but really nice way to build community and even there you can paywall it so you can start a chat that's just for paid members and then the replies as well are hidden so so there is that kind of nice safe space where only people who are invested both financially and emotionally in what you're doing are going to be there to talk to you fantastic and sections sections I have a feeling sections may be phased out don't 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 hold me on that but I have a feeling that they're confusing more than they're helping but imagine you were a therapist but you were also very passionate about supercars and you wanted to write about both, but you were aware that they probably had slightly different audiences. You could start a different section within your newsletter and people can then decide whether to subscribe to the supercars, to the therapist, to both, to neither. Um, and you can add sections in that way. So they kind of build separate lists, but don't, don't mistake it for the functionality that Tags is doing. So don't use it as just a way to organize. I recommend people really hold back on that and see it more as like a way of establishing almost like two different publications because I think otherwise you risk splitting your growth and confusing people. Okay, that's really useful. You've passed your Substack exam. Phew. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. 100%. So where do you see your business going? What are your plans for Ianola? I really want Substack to become a big integral part of it. Because of the sustainability of it, you know, for a long time I've sold classes. That's been my kind of main income source, classes and then one-to-one coaching packages. And the problem with the classes is it's this very boom and bust cycle. You're like, oh, it's time for a launch. And then you have to do all of the launching activities. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of nervous energy as well. Like, you know, you've got to hold your nerve and think, is this the one where no one buys it and we're not going to pay the rent? Oh, okay. Actually, no, it's blown my mind with how much it makes. And it's a roller coaster that has been fun. I've loved riding it, but I'm kind of ready to get off. <laughs> and Substack, you know, the, the idea of just a sustainable monthly income that's there, you know, regardless is really, really nice. And it's, I really love the idea that I'm getting to build a community space that I think we're all really hungry for. Like Instagram, the, one of the biggest reasons I've taught and recommended Instagram for so long is because it has that amazing way of cultivating community. And I think for a lot of people that's that's dying, that's lost. So for me, it's how can I make a space where we can still connect in that way and find like-minded people and support one another because I know firsthand how valuable it is. And it's just really fun. Like, so one of the things I'm, I'm just writing for my Substack today, it'll be up probably by the time people hear this episode is I've tried to recreate some of my Instagram photos using AI software, like just typing in words. And it's just like, where else would I put that? Where else would anyone want to see that? Absolutely. I can't wait to see that. I've not tried the images yet. But... It's, it's mind blowing. Wait till you see it. It's, it's like almost scary. And then I was like, wow, well, I need to show people how to do this because even though it is just typing words into a box, most people are exactly where you are, where it's like, I've not tried it. I don't really know where to start, but it could answer so many people's problems with their content creation. So then I was like, oh, well, I'll just make it a workshop. I'll do an an hour's live teaching it for my paid subscribers. And that will make more people go, okay, actually, I want that. It's worth it. I'll, I'll sign up and subscribe. So it's just this really nice organic way of me getting to be creative in my business again and play and be generous and 
yeah, show up in different ways and kind of figure all of that out. And like I said, I think that temptation is there, like even in my own brain to make it very, oh, it's all very informative. Every post has got to be super useful. But it was when I wrote about my, my personal stuff and my health that people really rallied around me and, and reminded me actually that it's humans we connect with and it's human connection that we are craving. And so the space for all of it, you get to play around. And for therapists, especially in private practice, but actually, you know, therapists often say to me, do you feel isolated in private practice? I felt isolated in the NHS because I was working in a room without a window and everybody was so busy. I didn't see anybody then. I see so many more people in private practice because I can structure my time. But I feel like I've got a team again. One of the aims of Therapist Corner is to make it like a place where you can come and grab a coffee and, and answer a few questions or ask a few things. And and just getting together online is just brilliant. I feel like I've got a community. I'm so excited about it. So a huge thank you for saying do Substack because, you know, I was kind of came to you thinking, how can I pivot my Instagram to be just therapist because I'm writing the book and stuff? And you were like, Substack, Substack. And I'm so, and now as I'm doing coaching with therapists, I, I think the one to one coaching I've been doing, all of them, I'm saying you could be adding another revenue stream to your your private practice they've got the knowledge and the skills and the expertise it needs to be out of the therapy room we all need to hear it I mean I think a lot of it we should be taught at schools but I'm so excited and so as part of that for anybody listening that is listening to this thinking I need more information where do I start which I know you'll be thinking you're going to come and do a Q&A for my pay subscribers on Substack I am. I'm really excited about it, actually. So people can just come and ask literally anything, throw anything at me, at us. And I think it's really good having you there as well, Sarah, for the obviously the kind of the therapy angle, because I know somewhat about how your business is working, but there's always kind of nuances to every individual. So yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it and hopefully get some more people converted to my Substack cult. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I'll put links to your Substack because every, everybody who comes on that call really go and have a look at Sarah's inst- amazing Instagram and Substack. And I think they should check out Letters from a Hopeful Creative as well, because for therapists in private practice, you're talking really openly about marketing. And, you know, you answered my question the other week. And one of the things that I said I thought was really useful that you said, it, I've kept it's kept popping in my mind, is that sometimes when you're starting something new, you have to be, it feels like you're the only person dancing on the dance floor. A few people kind of turn away and might leave. But then people start joining you. And that's exactly, you know, when I moved all my email list to Substack, people dropped off and that feels a bit scary. And people are starting to join me dancing on the dance floor. (laughs) And who's going to start the dancing if not you, right? Like someone's got to be first. Yeah, yeah. And then my final question that I ask all my guests is, if you could go back to your 15-year-old self, what would you say to younger Sarah? So interesting that you say 15 as well. I wonder why you picked that age. But um, because I think that was tricky for me. Ah, okay. 15 was pivotal. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same. I definitely, I definitely remember it being tricky. And I think as long as I could convince 15 year old me, I think what she needed to hear was just that she was worthy, you know, that I could see her and that all the things that somewhere like I had an awareness 
that I was capable of, but there was so much squashing all of that down and just, you know, someone to say, hey, you are good at these things and I see you and you're good enough was would have been transformational for me. Oh, that's lovely. And if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? So my business is called Me and Orla, Orla being my daughter that um, I was I had as a baby when I started my business. So the name stuck around. You can find my podcast called Hashtag Authentic and my other podcast called Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Letters from a Hopeful Creative is on Substack as well. So you can subscribe there if you want and get the episode sent to you that way. I'm also on Instagram at me and Orla and I am on Substack. Search for my name, Sarah Tasker, or the name of my Substack, which is Entre Nous, which is French for Between Us. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much for your time. It's so nice to to have you on you know it's a bit of a dream for me and keep creating you do beautiful stuff and I'm sure you know it's just lovely to have you on the internet this has been so fun thank you so much Sarah thank you for listening to today's episode of Ask the Therapist I'll be discussing all you've heard in this episode and more over in the Therapist Corner community on Substack to join me there just click on the link in the show notes Until next time, take care of your mental well-being as you continue on the path to becoming the best version of yourself. This episode was written and presented by me, Sarah Rees, and edited by Big Tent Media and produced by Emily Crosby Media.